Hello and welcome back to Stop and Go F1. For this, our very first driver ratings of the year. We're going to go through each driver and give them a score between 1 and 10 for how they did in the Bahrain Grand Prix. I feel, looking at the scores I've given on my uh, notepad here, I've been a bit generous in certain places, but I feel like, you know, it's the first race of the year, so I'm allowed to be a bit more generous than usual. And also, we had no DNFs as well, so, you know, everyone finished the race, so they should get a certain score for just finishing the race. But we have got some people who scored high, some people who scored low, so shall we just get into it then? Of course, for the driver ratings, we need our incredible graphics. Look at this. Boom! Wow! Look at that. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this in the podcast feeds, you're missing out on this incredible thing down the side of the screen here. And also, boom, look at that. It's Kevin Magnuson's face, which means we probably have to start with Kevin Magnuson. And you know what? Haas, I think, had what was a very good weekend, actually. Considering they came into the race going, we're going to be at the back, we're going to be awful, and in testing, they looked awful. They turned up here this weekend, and both guys did quite well. It looked like, for the most part, the tyre overheating issue was sorted. Uh, let's talk about Kevin specifically here. He qualified 15th, finished the race in 12th. Which, you know what, 12th for a Haas, for a Haas last year, 12th is a good finishing result. For a Haas this year, that their own team's principal says we're the worst, 12th is a very good result. And also, towards the end, he kept both of the racing bills behind him for lap after lap after lap. Very good underrated drive from K-Mag, and I'm going to give him a 9. And I know that may seem quite high, but I don't care. Moving across to his teammate, Nico Hulkenberg, once again having a fantastic qualifying session, qualifying in 10th, got into Q3, then uh, had to do Q3 on used tyres, so it was quite far off the pace already for that reason. Mix that in with the fact that he's in a Haas. When I saw Hulkenberg get into Q3, I wasn't surprised because he does it all the time. But I thought, you know, again, Haas might have that issue where their tyres get really hot over one lap, which means that a qualifying lap is very good, but over a race distance they go a little bit too far. But it seems like that may be sorted. Of course, there was the incident with um, uh, Stroll at the start of the race, now, that was ruled out as a lap one racing incident. Personally, I would point it more of the fault of Hulkenberg than Stroll, but I do agree that overall it was a racing incident and no penalty should have been given out. From there, there wasn't too much he could do, but he still gained good positions, finished off in 16th place. Uh, his strategy was kind of ruined from there, though, because he pitted at the start and had to kind of go in and out. So I think with a good strategy... And without that lap one incident, Hulkenberg could have had a really good place here, but unfortunately it was thrown away in that uh, one move. I keep on. I originally had him down as a five, but I feel that's too harsh, so I moved it to a six, and I'm actually going to give him a seven because I feel like you know, great qualifying, and then he had the incident obviously, but he built up from there. It's not like he finished 18th or whatever; he finished 16th, so he was able to recover relatively well from that incident, and you know, 12th and 16th for a Haas that should be at the back is actually very good. Let's move across now 
to stake F1 team kick Sauber. And Zhou Guan Yu actually had an underrated race here. Qualified 17th place, but would finish in 11th, just outside the points. Which I think was very, very good. A great race from Joe. A lot of guys behind him who should have realistically been in front of him. You know, we always normally have a few DNFs, even from the top five teams. If we'd had that yesterday, Joe's scoring points. So overall, great result for Joe. I'm going to give him a nine. I'll give him a ten if he scores some points. Cross to his teammate, though, did not have the best race in the world. Valtteri Bottas did beat Joe in qualifying. He got a 16th place. And then his race was going okay until that pit stop that nearly lasted a minute. Of course, out of his control, realistically, uh, not much he could actually do about it. Uh, but then from there, he was so far back, he couldn't really recover anything. So, tough one for Valtteri. I can't give him a score too high just because the result wasn't great. 19th place, but I'll give him a 6 just because I feel... Oh, is it a 6 or a 5? I'll go for a five, yes, because I know it wasn't his fault, but apart from that, I didn't really see anything fantastic from him. I don't think he was as far ahead as Joe was before that stop. Right. Yuki Tsunoda. Oh, let's talk about this. So, Yuki Tsunoda qualifies 11th, massively out-qualifying uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Great job from Yuki there. Has a very good race in general, although the strategy did kind of screw him a little bit. Let's skip to the end now, where um, towards the end of the race, I think it was 10 laps to go, 5 laps to go, something like that, they tell Yuki and Ricardo to swap places, and Yuki obviously is not too happy about this. Uh, it takes him a few laps to actually let Daniel Ricardo go through. Uh, Ricardo does not get past Magnussen for 11th, um, after the race, Yuki's furious, tries to overtake Ricardo on the in-lap, massively locks up his tyres, then comes back on the track, nearly hits his teammate. So there's a lot to digest here. Firstly, the racing build strategy for Yuki was not good, because Yuki had some great pace uh, this weekend, and they weren't able to capitalise on that. So there's firstly, there's that. Secondly, they did the order for swapping over far too late. Because you have Ricardo who's on the softs, and you had Joe and Magnussen in front on the hards. By the time that they told them to swap places over, we'd gone over the crossover period of when the softs were now slower than the hards. They should have done it like 10 laps earlier or something like that to get the actual pace out of the softs. Thirdly, this whole thing is all over 12th place. So it's a bit overblown as it is. I think what the Bills were hoping for, because you had Joe, Magnussen, Yuki and Ricardo all in that little area there like that, they were thinking, right, Ricardo's on the soft tyres. If he can get past Magnussen, past Joe, he's an 11th. If something happens up the top of the top 10, we're in the points. So I kind of understand what the idea was, but it requires Ricardo to get past two cars, which he could have done if they'd made that call earlier. So I think the Bills were in the wrong for doing the call when they did because it was kind of pointless. I also think that... See, here's the thing. I'm thrown by my mind back to a race, I think it was in Hungary a few years ago, where it was Bottas, I think, was third, Hamilton fourth, when they were both at Mercedes. And Bottas was challenging one of the Ferraris. He couldn't quite get it. 
they said, right, let Hamilton go through and he'll try and get past the Ferrari. If he can't do it, we'll swap back. So Hamilton goes through, he can't get past the Ferrari. On the last lap, he gives the place back to Valtteri. Valtteri gets his third place. We go on forever. So, you know, they tried basically what they tried here, but afterwards they swapped back. But that was for third. This was for uh, 13th and 14th. So part of me is like, oh, well, Ricardo should have given the place back on the last lap when he knew that he wasn't going to get past Kevin Magnussen. And another part of me like, it's 13th. There's no points here. You know, 13th place only relatively matters if a team's not going to score points all year. And this is a team that should be scoring points. So, you know, part of me is like, he should have given the place back. The other part of me is like, no, it's 13th. It doesn't matter. So I'm really mixed on this. Mixed with the fact that Yuki should not have done what he did after the race. Now, I've seen some people suggest that he tried to drive into Ricardo on purpose, and I don't think that's true. Yes, he did go for a silly dive bomb into turn 8 and completely lock up his tyres. But then when he comes back on the track, I think he just gets on the power too hard because he's frustrated. Then he goes over the kerb and he just kind of loses the back end. And you can see on his onboard he's massively trying to correct it. So I don't think he tried to hit Ricardo. But still, an act like that is a foolish thing to do. And if you, as Yuki Tsunoda, are trying to put your stall out for going to Red Bull next year, it's not a good look. Hope, you know, by the time we get to the point where we're thinking of who goes to Red Bull next year, probably around the summer break a bit after, this may have been forgotten. So it's a good time to do something stupid. But overall, I think it still was something stupid, and I have to take points away from Yuki for that. And also, yes, I think he got screwed over by the team, but... 11th to 14th I'm going to give him a 5 I would probably give him a 6 normally but yes because of the stupid move at the end I'm going to give him a 5 uh, let's talk about his teammate though Daniel Ricciardo uh, he qualified 14th apparently had a lock up on his outlap so he struggled there uh, just in the race in general was a bit lower um, the move to the softs at the end Really pulled him up the uh, pulled him up the standings there, but again they waited too long to swap the cars over. I've given him a six. You know what I've got to say? I I was a bit disappointed by the racing bills this weekend. I expected them to be a hell of a lot better than they actually were. Uh, I think strategy let them down, and overall I don't think they had the pace that uh, they expected. I don't expect Zach Brown to be kicking up a bigger fuss as he usually was about them after their pace this weekend. <clears throat> Logan Sargent now, and an interesting one for Logan. He didn't qualify last, he qualified 18th, uh, but he did finish last, 20th. So, you know, it doesn't look good, but then you've got to remember, he couldn't actually control his car. Uh, the big moment for him was that huge lockup, and if you look at it, this new steering wheel that Williams have got, that they've been the kind of... The, the thing that they've been talking about the most in the off-season as their big technological advancement, uh, both him and Albon struggled with it because it was taking over the car. And the moment that Sargent had that completely destroyed his race, apparently he was trying to set his brake balance to 50%, and the steering wheel put it to 96%,
causing a massive lockup. Then he has to, then he was stationary at the end of the straight because he was just trying to get more control over his car again before he carried on. Then he was massively behind for the rest of the race. There was no safety car for him to catch up again, and there really wasn't much he could do. Um, apparently, his pace was quite good before and after that moment, so it's disappointing for Logan. But uh, I'm going to give him a five because realistically, I don't really know where he would have come out in that position, but hopefully. Uh, good things for Logan coming soon, because that was very, very unlucky for him. Uh, his teammates also suffered these issues. Alexander Albon, uh, he qualified 13th, finished the race in 15th, so I think he might be a bit disappointed with that uh, in general, because he doesn't normally go backwards in races. But yeah, um, looks like the Williams is a tough car to drive, but I think once they get on top of it, it'll be a pretty good one. I'm going to give Albon a 6, just because, you know, it was it was an okay. Right, here's Alpine. My God. What a bad time. <laughs> so, Esteban Hocon qualified 19th, finished the race in 17th. This Alpine is dreadful. It is really bad. The They didn't beat anyone in qualifying, and the only people they beat in the race was someone who had a pit stop that lasted nearly a minute, and another person whose uh, steering wheel took over their car and forced them to park on the side of the road for a minute and a half. They didn't beat anyone else. So it was that the car's really, really bad. And I really just don't know how to mark these because it's just so tough. Because, like, S1 Ocon qualified 19th, finished 17th. Is that a 6? Is that a 5? Because whatever it is, I have to give Pierre Gasly one less. So let's let's talk about Gasly, and I'll, I'll grade them both, because oh, that's Albon. Gasly qualified dead last, finished 18th. So once again, just beating Bottas and Sargent. But then the Alpine, I don't think, can do anything else, because it's god-awful. And now, everyone in Alpine's resigning. Because if there's one thing I've learned from Alpine, is the definite way to success is to change everyone in the company every six months. That's definitely the way to do things. It's never failed them before. Oh, my God. I mean, you know what? I'm just going to give them both five because uh, it's... Oh, maybe... Because I don't blame them for what's happened here. It's just bad. It's just a very, very, very bad car. So, I don't know. They did exactly what I expected, which is a 5. It's an average right down the middle. If they'd done something especially bad, then... Yeah, but... Yeah, I don't think they made any big mistakes apart from signing for Alpine, so we'll carry on with... Who possibly could be my driver of the day? And I'm not even taking the mickey with Lance Stroll. And I have spoken about Lance Stroll a lot on this channel, and I have said about how I don't think he'll be in Aston next year, and he's not good enough, and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, you know what? He had a fantastic race here. Um, qualified 12th, got hit by Hulkenberg at the start, goes down to 19th, fights through uh, the field twice. What was really, really interesting and I think might say more about um, Fernando Alonso's pit strategy than necessarily uh, Stroll's pace, but both are to be considered, is that every time uh, both Astons had pitted, Stroll was ahead of Alonso. Every time. 
So it's considering everything he went through, 12th to 10th, and then at the end wasn't too far behind Alonso. Fantastic pace from Lance Stroll. I think he should be really happy. I'm giving him a 10. It was fantastic what he did. If that was anyone else, I think they'd be getting so much praise. But the F1 world does not like to praise Lance Stroll. And I understand that because, you know, of his dad and all that kind of stuff. But when someone drives well, you've got to say they drive well. And Lance Stroll is getting a 10. Uh, Fernando Alonso. Uh, where is he? Here he is. Um, interesting one for him. Qualified 6th, finished the race in ninth. Strategy in qualifying and the race is both very questionable. In qualifying, he went out by himself in Q3, uh, just did one lap, didn't get the full track evolution, so possibly could have qualified a bit higher. And then, I don't know what happened in the race with him, my god. My only thought process was that they were maybe trying to do a one-stop, but what it did really is just let him out on old, useless, hard tyres for ages at the end of the race to, for him to just get overtaken over and over and over again and then they had to change that to a two-stop so they used the strategy that everyone else used of um, soft hard soft but they didn't have any softs so he had to go on to hards so it was just the stupidest strategy in the world from Aston and really let Alonso down I don't know where his pace realistically would have been would he have been up there with the McLarens with uh with the uh, Mercedes of Hamilton, I'm not too sure. But yeah, not a great race weekend for Alonso, but not necessarily his fault. I'm going to give him a 7. Um, McLaren now, though. And I think McLaren might be a little bit disappointed where, where they are at the minute. I think they expected to be a bit further up the grid. Got Piastri, who qualified 8th, finished 8th. I'm going to give him a 6. Yes, because I feel like, you know, overall... Actually, no, I'm not. I'm giving him a 7. I've changed my mind. He's getting a seven. I think overall his pace was pretty good. Um, and you know what? He wasn't too far off the back of the race pace of uh, Norris, which was his big thing last year. His tyre degradation was a lot steeper than Norris's was, and he wasn't necessarily keeping up with him there in the race, but he wasn't far off him in qualifying. And you know his race? Pretty good. So seven there for Piastri. Uh, Lando Norris. There he is. I saw someone on Twitter say, you've got to respect the fact that Lando Norris can't grow a beard, but he's still trying. And I think he's doing a great job. Keep on keeping on there, Lando Norris. Uh, uh, he qualified 7th, finished the race in 6th. I'll give him an 8. 8 out of 10 there. Good result for Lando Norris. Let's talk about this man, though. Carlos Sainz. He's unemployed as of next year. But that's not holding him back. If anything, that's pushing him forward. Fantastic racing from Carlos Sainz here. Um, so he qualified fourth, finished the race in third. Really aggressive, fantastic overtakes. Just putting himself out there to the world saying, look, I am available and I will make your car fast because I am fantastic. And he had a fantastic race here. 10 out of 10 for Carlos Sainz. I can't say anything more. It's already been said he was the driver of the day on the day on the uh, on the feed, and he deserves that ten. Fantastic stuff, Carl Sainz. Charles Leclerc though, a bit of a different story for him. Uh, qualified second, finished the race in fourth. I think this is like his sixth front row front row qualifying in a row. Um, he's a fantastic qualifier. I think he's probably the best qualifier on the grid. Uh, but yes, again, the Ferrari kind of letting him down in the race itself. Just. 
lockup after lockup after lockup after lockup in the opening uh, half of the race. They did seem to manage that as they went on, and he did give us some pace from there, but I think the damage was already done. Overall, decent race for him. I'm going to give him a 9. Moving across to the Mercedes now of George Russell, who uh, qualified third, finished the race in fifth. He just went backwards for Russell. Um, I don't really know what's going on with the Mercedes because they're all they've been quite quiet, really. Um, good qualifying for him, but yeah, the race pace just wasn't there. They seem to be in a little bit of a, a no man's land at the minute. Between they're not as fast as the Ferrari or the Red Bull. They're quicker than the McLaren and the Aston, so they're yes, kind of there in the middle of that top ten. I'm gonna give him a seven. I think he was he was all right. Was our George Russell? Uh, he's not our George Russell. I don't know why I said that. Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton's in a weird mood at the minute. I think because he knows that the Mercedes problems aren't his problems anymore. So he's just kind of just in a bit of a cheeky mood all the time whenever I see him in interviews. Uh, he qualified ninth, which I think he'd be a bit disappointed with. Now, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, he qualified low, but that's because he's got his car set up for race pace. You wait until the race. My goodness, he's going to be impressive. He finished the race in seventh, and it, it wasn't that impressive. A very anonymous race, realistically, for Hamilton. I don't really remember him seeing much... Uh, on the on the broadcast, but yeah, I'll give him a six. I, I expect a lot better from Lewis, and I think we'll definitely get it because he is fantastic. But yeah, it's an anonymous race for him. And finally, the Red Bulls. Sergio Perez qualifies fifth, finishes the race in second. Very good race for Sergio. Qualifying was decent. First, uh, second place since the Italian Grand Prix. But you know, this is the Checo uh, quality graph. He is good at the start of the year. He is good at the end of the year. In the middle, he's not very good. So we'll see if that continues. For his sake, I hope it doesn't, because I do like Checo. And you know I said I was feeling generous. I'll give him a 10. I'll give him a 10. Yeah, he was miles off Max Verstappen. But, you know, I'm fed up of people going, Sergio Perez is not as good as Max Verstappen, and for that reason he is bad. It's like Max Verstappen very well might be creating the greatest Formula 1 career of all time. We've got to stop saying if you're not as good as him, you're the worst. You know, it's like saying someone isn't as good as football as Lionel Messi, so actually they're very bad. And you know what? Sergio Perez is not very bad. He's actually very good. But not as good as Max Verstappen. Qualified first, finished first, fastest lap, led every lap, grand slab, 10 out of 10. Easy peasy once again for Max Verstappen to get that 10 out of 10. There you go. There is the driver rankings, the first one of the year. Let me know what you agreed with, what you disagreed with. Uh, my highest rated drivers were Verstappen, Perez, Sainz and Stroll. Lowest rated goes to Gasly, uh, Sargent, Yuki Tsunoda and Valtteri Bottas. There you go. That's the driver ratings. We'll be back next week. For all things Saudi Arabia, we'll have the preview on Thursday. Once again, it's the Saturday race, so there'll be the qualifying reaction on Friday. We'll have F1, F2 and F1 Academy reactions on the Saturday. Then Sunday, we will have the driver ratings once again. A lot in the mix over the next week here. So make sure you like and subscribe for all of that. Until next time, though, have a good one. I'll see you then. Goodbye.